0: Listening. to the living room, living, north. Room north. living room north living room north living room north podcast My name is Lauren, if we have not met. I was a small group leader for four years here, and this is my first year not leading a group, and I am so excited to still get to come back and hang out with y'all. So I'm really excited about tonight. I'm really excited where we're going uh, with this series. We're starting a brand new series called Living My Best Life, and if you're new to TLR, a series just means that we're gonna spend the next few weeks diving into a topic, and I'm really pumped about the next few weeks. You're gonna hear from my friend Jake next week, and then my friend Heath in a couple weeks, this whole series I think is gonna to come together really cool. So I'm excited about it. But maybe you see this title, Living My Best Life, and you think that's comical because it's currently the opposite right now. Or maybe you are thriving in college and you're like, yes, I'm living my best life. For me personally, I would not say I lived my best life in college. I, well, honestly, like I loved the freedom from my parents, I loved hanging out with my friends. I loved late night trips to Dairy Queen, all that, awesome. School part, not so much. That is where it kind of got me where I was like, man, if you could have college without class, that would be ideal. The whole exams, all that part, pass. But the actual getting to be on a campus with my friends, that part was really fun. However, whether you feel like you're thriving right now or you are not, the cool thing about this season of your life in college is that this is a season where you get to dream more than ever before. And I genuinely mean that. Like in hindsight, looking back on my college years, I got to try all different things. I tried different majors, I had different internships, I did different jobs, and I just got to try and see, hey, does this interest me? Do I feel passionate about this? And it was a really cool opportunity for me to just try stuff out. Who in here got a job at Wolf Mountain? Back there? I, oh, multiple people, multiple people. I worked at Wolf Mountain in college for like three years, which is just really funny. I heard this in uh, Fam Updates. And I worked for the wedding coordinator there. And so that was just an example of working for her and getting to find that, like try out that job. I was like, oh, maybe I wanna do this, like event planning, that's super cool. So anyway, I just thought it was funny when I heard Wolf Mountain earlier, I was like, oh my God, I know that place. But college was just a cool time because I got to try out all different things. And it's a season where as my dad tells me all the time still, the world is your oyster. Have you heard this phrase? It's a very bizarre phrase, if you think about it. Like, what? An oyster? But really what it means is, the world is yours for the taking, right? Like, your future is whatever you want it to be, which is freeing and daunting. And when I think about my life, and this idea of my best life, and my future, what do I want it to be about? And when I think about that, some words came to mind and I thought about fun. I want it to be fun. I want it to be exciting. I want it to mean something. And then this word valuable came to mind, which is a weird word. And I, we're all, we all are intrinsically valuable, right? Like you as a human being are valuable, end of story. But when I thought about my life, I was like, I want what I do with my life to have some value to it, to be seen as valuable. But that was like a weird, complex idea. So naturally, I went to Google. And I Googled, what is valuable? And Google gave me a casual 4 billion results but I only looked at the first page because I never go to page two of Google. It just scares me. It feels like a dark side of the internet when you gotta go to page two of Google. But this is what was on the first page of Google. 20 most expensive things in the world, 17 most expensive things on this planet, 15 most expensive things ever sold at an auction, and 11 most expensive things ever stolen. So when I Google this word valuable, it's clear to see what the results were. You can see what all these have in common, right? Expensive. Because we, our world, has decided that what's valuable is wealth. What's valuable is money. Money is what makes you valuable. It's what makes your life valuable. Money has value attached to it because it allows you to buy whatever you want, whenever you want, do whatever you want. Money brings you value. But I just don't think that's true, right? It can't be true, there has to be more. However, it's easy for me to believe that, yeah, maybe at the end of the day, all that matters is what's in my bank account. All that matters is my salary. And maybe you've heard people choose their major solely based on average salary of the careers that that major could lead you to. I tried that. My freshman year, the first major I declared was pre-dentistry, because I was like, well, They seem to make a lot of money, and teeth don't freak me out. And so I went pre-dentistry. Three weeks into my first biology class, I thought there's not enough money in the world to make me stay in this major, and so I switched immediately. But that was the filter I ran that decision through, is what would bring me the most money? And thinking about money is totally okay. It's actually smart, right, to take it into consideration to make sure one day you can provide for yourself, one day you can retire, maybe you can own a home, all these things you want to do, of course you need to think through, am I going to make enough for this? But the problem arises when we start to filter all of our decisions through this one idea, this one concept of, but how much money will I make? And when we begin to value money, over our own happiness, over our own quality of life, that's when we can run into some trouble. But maybe one day you'll win the lottery or you'll work super hard and you'll be like me and you'll just have stacks of cash. Uh, This is fake money, I work in ministry, come on. (laughs) Uh, But it's a lot of hundred dollar bills. And maybe, just maybe, There was a split second where you thought this was real. And you were hopeful that there was going to be like an Oprah moment, right? You get cash, and you get cash, and and you're like, man, this place is great, I'm coming back every week. Unfortunately, like I said, it's fake, you're not going to get any of this. But there's something in us that when we see money, we get a little excited. We want it. Because money means that you get to buy something. You get to get something, you get to do something with it. I've always disagreed with the phrase, money can't buy you happiness, wrong. Of course, it can't buy you deep-rooted joy for the rest of your life, yeah, of course not. Happiness, have you ever walked into Target and just let yourself (laughs) buy whatever you want? I'm always happy about that. Last week, money brought me happiness in the form of a ticket to Magic Kingdom, and I feel great about it. I was happy then, I'm happy now. Money can absolutely buy you happiness. But as we know, money can also do some serious damage, right? I mean, you've seen people who have a gambling addiction and they lose it all. Or you've heard of people who win the lottery and within two years it's gone. I uh, watch that show, oh, what is it? My Lottery Dream Home. Have you ever seen this on HGTV? It's crazy. They're like, we won $500,000 and so my budget is $490,000. I'm like, I just think maybe you wanna save some, right? But they just go all in on it. And before they know it, in a couple years, it's gone. We've seen people who have allowed greed to ruin their lives. It's ruined their relationships, it's ruined their career, it has ruined their reputation, all because Sometimes that temporary high, the temporary happiness we can get from money, just ran a little too far. It did some long-term damage. And the unfortunate thing (laughs) about money is that as quickly as you can get it, it can disappear. My hands are shaking, fire really freaks me out. (laughs) Does it not, y'all? Smoke alarm. You're gonna get a bath tonight, too. Congratulations. This worked earlier. (coughs) That's funny. What if I just spend 20 minutes here burning money? At what point is this dangerous? Andrew, do you just want me to keep going? Do you get the concept? (laughs) Great. Money can disappear just like that. Gone. Thank you for clapping. It worked earlier, but I did almost lose my thumb. So part of me is happy that it didn't work this time because I was like, I just don't know if it's worth it. But the thing about money, and you know this, right? Is that as soon as you get it, it can be gone. Have you ever seen that video of the raccoon with the puddle? And there's something in the puddle that dissolves. Have you seen this? It's always attached with the caption, like, me on payday, because he goes to get, it's like cotton candy or something in a puddle. He goes to get out, and it's gone. And this poor raccoon is like, what the? Where did it go? And that is how we can feel when we look in our bank accounts sometimes. We're like, now, wait a second. You were here, and now you're gone. Money can disappear before we know it. It can be stolen, mismanaged. It can go to Disney. It could go to Target. It could go to the Braves game. I don't know. Money just walks away from us. And so it begs the question of, why do we value it so much? Why would we put our value in something that can disappear? Why would we place our value in something that can just go away? There has to be something better, right? Because the other thing about money is that it will not guarantee anything for you. It acts like it will but it will not guarantee your best life. It will not guarantee that you'll have a great community and have great relationships. It will not guarantee maturity. It will not guarantee any of that because it can just disappear. And so tonight, I wanna look at two questions and those questions are, what is the most valuable thing we can find and how do we get it? And this first question we're going to talk about first and i know it feels like i'm setting you up for like the biggest jesus juke in the world right like it's jesus have fun in small group bye but i promise you there's more to this you see throughout the bible there's scriptures everywhere that are saying this is what's valuable this is where you need to place your hope and tonight the one i want to look at is in a book called proverbs now proverbs if you haven't heard of it you haven't read it yet it's a book of advice written by a man named Solomon, who was known as and is known as one of the wisest men to ever live. And we're gonna actually find out later how he came about all of this wisdom, but because he had all this wisdom, he went and wrote it down in a book called Proverbs. And sometimes when we read Proverbs, it can feel a little um, command-ish, but really, it is Solomon saying, this is everything I've learned, and I'm writing it all down So that you can learn from it too. And especially when we get to his story in a minute about how he came about all this wisdom, it makes Proverbs even more meaningful. And so tonight we're in Proverbs chapter 8, and I'm going to be reading out the message version, which is a paraphrase of scripture. But we're in Proverbs chapter 8, this is verse 6. Solomon says, don't miss a word of this. I'm telling you how to live well I'm telling you how to live at your best which is what we all want right we want to live at our best we want to live our best life so he goes on to verse 10 and he says prefer my life discipline so everything you're reading here over chasing after money and God knowledge over a lucrative career which that part kind of upset me because I was like well I went to school for my career I spent time working towards my career. I've invested a lot in my career, but really all Solomon is saying is, hey, what's in your bank account and your career should not be the most important things in your life. And it should not be how you define yourself, ever. You could have the most money in the world, you could have the best job ever, and still at the end of the day, you are you. You are not your bank account. You are not your job. And what's most important is that you chase after God and what he wants for you and for your life. And Solomon goes on, he says this, he says, for wisdom is better than all the trappings of wealth. Nothing you could wish for holds a candle to her. Wisdom is better than anything else this world has to offer and the thing about wisdom is that wisdom isn't gonna disappear it's not gonna go away it's gonna be with you forever and wisdom can guarantee that your life will be better your relationships will be better you will grow in maturity all those things you want for your life wisdom can guarantee them you see Wealth can offer you better stuff, but wisdom will bring you a better life. And the cool thing about wisdom is that it is simply looking to the past to know what's going to happen in the future. And because of that, wisdom is offered to everybody. It doesn't matter where you were born, it doesn't matter your parents, uh, if they're middle class or upper class. It doesn't matter how much you got from FAFSA. None of that matters. Everybody has access to wisdom, and there are no restrictions around it, and there's no limitations to it. Wisdom is yours for the taking, and it will make your life better. You see, the definition of wisdom is this. It's the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, so that looking to the past, knowledge, and good judgment. And that experience piece is so important. Because like I said, wisdom is simply looking to your past to determine what decision you need to make in the present with your future in mind. But maybe you think, well, I don't like my past, and my past isn't great, and I didn't do a lot of great things in my past. That's fine. You can still learn from it, but you can also look to someone else's past. Maybe there's someone in your life who's a few steps ahead of you, and you really admire them, and you admire how they live their life. Well, look to them and ask them questions. Ask them about past decisions. You can look to Solomon. You can look to anybody who you admire and learn from them looking to their past, looking to your past, is gonna help you in the present, which is gonna set you up best for the future. That's all wisdom is. It's really simple when you think about it, because let's say you have an exam coming up, and you wanna get a good grade. And you can look to your past, you can say, well, I know that if I study, I'll probably get a good grade. And I know that if I spend hours on TikTok, which is so fun, I probably am not going to get a good grade. That's just what my past tells me. And then in the moment, making a decision that ultimately leads you to who you want to be in your future. Or I feel lonely right now in this season of my life. I, maybe you're feeling like, I don't have any friends. I'm brand new to this campus. I'm brand new to this church. I don't know anybody here and I want to make some friends. Okay. Well, you get to make a choice. Tonight, you could go to a small group and you could decide to lean in and engage with that group and you'll walk out of that small group knowing some people. Or you could decide that while this girl's praying later, you're going to walk out and leave and you're not gonna walk out of here knowing anybody. And looking to your past, what does your past tell you about what you need to decide today to ultimately get to where you wanna be in the future? That's all wisdom is. And so the second question is, how do we get it? Of course, we look to the past, we can do that, we can look to ours, we can look to someone else's, but let's be honest, sometimes I can look to my past and I still don't necessarily wanna choose the thing I know I need to do. I remember feeling this in college because I, will be really honest with you, did not study a lot, and so I would be taking an exam, and that temptation to cheat was always there. And every single time, I was like, this is bad. It's a bad idea, I know I shouldn't do it. I got caught in high school and that did not end well, and I know there will be consequences. I know what I need to do is to just own it to take the grade and to do better next time, but that's not what would always happen. I would still cheat. And so sometimes even our past experiences aren't enough to motivate us to make the right decision. And so the thing we need to do first is we need to ask for it. We need to ask God for wisdom. And maybe that sounds kind of silly or weird, But back to Solomon and his story, it's exactly what he did. So Solomon, his dad was the king of Israel, and his dad passed away. And so Solomon, by default, became the new king. And he had no idea what he was doing. And so one night, God visits him in a dream. And listen to what happens. This is in 1 Kings Chapter three, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now, let's just have some fun for a second. Let's say last night, God came to you in a dream, okay? And he said, I'll give you whatever you want. What are some things we'd ask for? Just yell them out, no judgment, safe space. Hey, SNL tickets. Did someone say money? It's funny. I'm glad you're here. I would say the same thing. Anyone else? A dog? What'd they say? Oh. Anyone else? <laughs> Protect the vibe. Cannoli from Maurice. That's a good one. Uh, Not to be rude, but I was expecting someone to be like world peace. Uh, So that's on you. Take that. Oh, thanks. Uh, Appreciate it. I was thinking also like for me, uh, Andrew Garfield as my boyfriend would be one. Or if this happened last night, I would probably say dinner with Florence Pugh because I want all the Don't Worry Darling tea. the actual things that happen. I want the facts. I need to know everything about this. Uh, Some people, I had asked this earlier, some people said that they would want free Chick-fil-A for the rest of their life, which is a choice. Uh, Some people said a house, which is good. And someone else said that they want access to custom Nikes for the rest of their lives for free, which was very specific uh and alarming <laughs> but Solomon actually had the best answer you could have and this is what he said to God in this moment he said Solomon answered you have shown great kindness to your servant my father David because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart you have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day he goes on he says, now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king and place in place of my father, David, but I am only a little child. I do not know how to carry out my duties. At this time, Solomon was 20. Anyone in here 20? Do you refer to yourself as a little child? <laughs> I never did. Way too prideful for that one. But Solomon, that was his humility speaking. That was his approach to this whole thing was I don't know what i'm doing which i think is so inspiring he didn't try to have this act of i know exactly what i want to do and i'm going to be the best king and i'm going to be better than my dad and i don't need you god and i'm fine to do this he didn't have that posture at all he actually had this posture of i need your help in this i want to do this well which I think is fair to say that's what we all think of our lives, right? This precious life we have, I want to do it well. I want to carry it well. I want to take care of it well. And so Solomon says to God, he says, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Give me wisdom. Give me help. Give me guidance, is what Solomon was asking. And the Lord replied with this, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this, so God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. He goes on, he says, I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And because of that, because of Solomon's request, he's someone who we're still talking about today. It's because of him we have Proverbs. It's because of him we know so much about God's heart for us. Because Solomon, he didn't just ask for wisdom. He asked for wisdom and then he decided to act on it. Which is a choice that we have to make as well. We can make the choice to ask God for wisdom, for guidance, but then it's on us to make the choice to actually put it in to action, to act on it. Because we do a disservice to ourselves and to the people around us when we don't. Think about if Solomon had just taken all this wisdom for himself. He didn't do anything with it. He didn't uh, add it to his leadership. He didn't try to use it with his friendships. He, and he didn't write Proverbs. Our lives would be different if Solomon had decided to keep it for himself. You see, not only does your life get better when you decide to ask God for wisdom and decide to put into place the people around you, their lives get better too. We don't know what hangs in the balance when it comes to if we decide to take it seriously to pursue wisdom. We have no idea what God could do with that. And so this next year, this next semester, this next season of your life, what would it look like if you decided to take it seriously, to grow in wisdom? to lean on God, to run every decision with him, to stay in step with him, to decide to not just ask for wisdom, but to act on it. A question that our senior pastor, Andy Stanley asked, he said this years ago and it changed my life. He says, we should always ask this question. That question is, what's the wise thing to do? Because we usually ask ourselves, what's the right thing to do? And we can convince ourselves of anything. We can convince ourselves of anything. Well, I know this is probably wrong, but in this scenario, this is probably right. No, instead, if we asked ourselves, what's the wise thing for me to do? We know exactly what we need to do based on my past experiences, my present circumstances, and where I ultimately wanna go. And even based on the people around me and how it will impact them, what is the wise thing for me to do? That question ties us back to God. It keeps the big picture in focus. And it reminds us that ultimately, our lives will be better if we decide to do this life step by step with God. Instead of by ourselves, instead of valuing whatever the world wants to tell us we need to value, our lives will be better. The people around us, their lives will be better if we take it seriously, to pursue wisdom. So you're going to talk about this in small group later. And I hope that you're honest and open. I hope your small group feels like the safest space for you to share because it should be. But I think all of you together can make a huge difference on your campus, in your apartments, in your dorms, with your families if we all decide to take this seriously.